being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Thunderdown Under Chargers podcast. Eddie Prophet, your host here. He's not Jack, but he'll do. Alistair Lloyd, what's going on, brother? Oh, man, it's just me and my best friend. Number one best friend in the world. Favorite podcast buddy. Uh, it's good to be with you, mate. No, no, just kidding. We miss you, Jack. We don't know um, how long it will be the two of us, but while it is, we're going to in- try and enjoy every moment, even though we've just sat through one of the more grueling losses uh, you could ever imagine. Yeah, pretty grim, pretty grim. Um, hey, hey, I... no, in- no injuries this week, though. Well, there is that. And on that, I am thankful for you and your health, but I do feel bad for Chargers fans alike because it seems like if I don't injure Alistair uh, or, you know, cause him some mild physical discomfort, the Chargers lose. So next week, I'm going to fuck you up, go put you in a bed, and hopefully we get the W and we can feel a lot better. Not a victory pod tonight, guys, unfortunately, but it's tears and beers. So tap one and get stuck in as we break down when the Lions came to town. Chargers stuck right in the middle of at the moment of an MFC North 1-2 combo. We got done at home by the Lions and their loud fans, and we look ahead toward a must-win trip to Lambeau Field. We'll make this one quick. Detroit Lions 41, Los Angeles Chargers 38. Lots of points, lots of fun watching for the neutral or the uneducated, but classic tales of Chargers offbeat football for us mad fans. Offense overcoming a slow start, going toe-to-toe with the rampant Lions offense, but the defense just couldn't keep their end of the deal up. Herbert was sensational, over 300 yards and four touchdowns. Keenan Allen, 177 on 11 catches and two scores for himself. Defense surrenders over 500 yards for the second time this year, 200 of those on the ground, the majority in the first half, and, well, 41 fucking points. The Vultures are circling Brandon Staley as he fails the litmus test against genius offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Slumping now to four and five, and as I said, heading to the frozen tundra for what is shaping up to be a crucial game. Al, tell me your thoughts, man. Failed the test he did, and I think, look, as an ode to our good friend Jack, we've almost got to start this not talking about stats or numbers. We've got to bring some kind of a schoolroom analogy, right? I, I saw this game as Callan Moore and Brandon Staley walking in with their caps on and their backpack and no girlfriends in for their advanced mathematics test to end high school. And they've done all their prep and they're ready to go. Callan Moore sits there. He's actually struggling with all of the easy multiple choice questions at the start. He's just answering C for everything. Run the ball on first down. C. Run the ball on first down. C. Then later in the sections, though, he actually starts dominating. He dominates cubic polynomials, logarithms, advanced trigonometry. He slapped that bit out of the park. So overall, well done, Kellen. You've passed the test with flying colours, it would seem. Brandon Staley, when things were kind of there early on, he got those multiple choices right. However, 
anything that was remotely difficult, anything that required some advanced thinking, he couldn't come up with the solutions. He actually didn't even bother answering some of the questions. By the end of the test, it was apparent he would have to be retaking the class and, in fact, going back to primary school to start again. Failed to show his working out. I couldn't agree with you more, mate. That is a, a very Jack Reed-esque kind of analogy and suited to... You must miss him a lot. I did not prepare any kind of Reed diatribe, but I'm glad you did, and I know a lot, lot of the fans did. And if the teachable moment is anything tonight, it'll be stay in your lane. By the Let's way, it sounds like off. he's gone somewhere, like he's either passed on or he's gone overseas. No, he's just <laughs> he's just in Adelaide, taking yeah. a bit of a break, being very busy, moving house, you know, young young infant. So uh, we hope he's listening um, and we hope to have him back soon. Well, no, pretty early on, if he's listening, uh, we'll hear about it. You guys think you're pretty funny, huh? <laughs> yeah, we do. All right, let's kick off on the offense. We start positive because uh, things got pretty dour on the back end there. So, um, like I said, Herbert, 27 to 40, 320 yards, four interceptions, sorry, four touchdowns through a pretty average interception, really, in the, the second quarter there or the first yeah. quarter. Um, do you reckon he was trying to throw it out of bounds or do you reckon he was trying to hit Everett? Oh, it's hard man, to tell. Like, it really is because he's overshot Everett. He's misjudged whatever route Keenan was running up the sideline. And he looks like he's really tried yeah. to, yeah, yeah, it looks like he's just tried to zip it out. And um, was it Kerry Joseph made an awesome play? Yeah, Kirby. Get hell, Kirby. Of a, hell of an interception. Yeah. Um, look, that's the sort of main tarnish airmailed a few other ones. Um, but on the whole, pretty great game. And those, you know, five consecutive drives scoring a touchdown really kept the charges in the game in what could have been a very ugly affair. Um, but look, the, uh, on offensive stats, it's, it's pretty similar. Like we're looking at 24 first downs for the charges, 23 for the Lions. Um, we even time of possession, so we were able to hold the ball uh, and work the ball down the field. There was a great drive across the third into the fourth quarter uh, that showed really good sort of offensive stability. But oh, at the end of the at the end of the day, um, the difference was in the run game, and we generated twenty eight carries for ninety eight mm -hmm. yards, and the Lions went. 31 carries for 200 yards and three touchdowns. And it was a, a pretty brutal affair. We'll stick to the offense, though. We've got a big shout-out for Keenan Allen. The guy is – well, I don't, don't even really know how to say it. He's just proven everyone wrong, winding the clock back. I think he's in the top five uh, rankings of wide receivers across the league, first downs, receptions, yards. He's up there for touchdowns as well. Um what do you think of how this kind of little twilight of his career is going? It was unexpected because, you know, we're having hypothetical discussions before the season around, you know, is he Hall of Fame eligible? And I figured just looking at some contemporaries and other players, um, Tory Holt amongst some others, that he'd probably need three or four years of, you know, a thousand plus receiving yards to really be in a strong candidate. He still would be in the ballpark, but it gets harder because he's playing in an era where there's a lot more passing yardage and he's going to have to beat the likes of Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill. His body's held up so far and he's on his way to an, an all-pro caliber season. You'd think at this stage he's making the Pro Bowl. He puts together another two years of this and he's got a great claim to it. And 
I'm I'm so happy to see it. He's amongst you know my favorite players I've watched in the NFL. He's done it the right way. He's a team guy. He doesn't complain. His his route running is just poetry in motion. The way he sets guys up and changes his speed and knows where he is on the field. And he's such a friendly target because of the way he can catch the ball in different ways. He's just a stud. And I know, listeners, how much we all, all respect this guy. Outstanding game, 175 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, I thought one thing to kind of, you know, a few things of the offense that were, was really promising to see. Creative play calling from Kellen Moore. A couple of those fourth down plays in particular, the one that sprung Quentin Johnston open for his first NFL touchdown. Yep. And then even the play to Keenan Allen for the 30-yard touchdown, excellent play design, really clever, perfectly set up. And the offensive line did the kind of primary thing they had to do. They didn't do the secondary thing, I agree, Andy. They couldn't get space in the running game. We tried to run a lot of zone concepts in the running game. We didn't give Eckler more carry. Sorry, we didn't give Kelly more carries. We kept feeding Eckler. Didn't really work. But the primary job, I think, was to stop the likes of Aiden Hutchinson and the pass rush. Yeah. And it was Herbert was pressured on 29.3% of dropbacks amongst his least of the year and way better than what we've seen from the last few games. And when that happens, what did we see from Justin Herbert? Five big-time throws per PFF, which ties for the most he's ever had in a game, tying with what he did against the Saints as a rookie and what he did against the Raiders in Week 18 in 2021. So we had the Mm. king mode of Herbert back, and if he's going to play like that, Chargers will be in every single game that they're in. Yeah, I mean, heck, they put up 38 points, and you've heard it so much across the media since uh, Sunday night. When a team scores touchdowns on their last five drives, puts up 38 points and still loses, um, it's just crazy. And it is one of the big questions banging on the door. What the fuck is going on here? Um, You're right. Uh, I think, look, Hutchinson did sort of get the better of Pipkins at times, a lot faster. Pipkins gave up, I think, three hits and three hurries. But, you know, that kept pretty clean. Uh, zero sacks on 40 dropbacks. Um, it's a testament to both the line and to Herbert. And one really good thing, or a couple of good things out of Herbert. So I'll start with the line. He looked like he was aware. His pocket awareness was back and he was able to recognize the direction of the pressure, move in and out of the way, use his legs to scramble for a first down, some good pickups there. Uh, and you heard Romo on the broadcast saying this is stuff that he needs to like work out and and do more often. And um, I think the coaches have spoken to him about that. So it's just another element of his game that he's sort of putting everything together. Going back to Keenan, uh, when he got hit and took some snaps off, it was really good to see Herbert evolving his, well, where he's looking. I guess he's sort of forced to throw the ball to the likes of QJ and Jalen Guyton, but both of them got in for scores, as you said, QJ's first ever touchdown and uh, Jalen Garton's first in two years. Um, dude looks jacked. Jalen Garton looks big. I'm hoping that hasn't taken off too much of his over-the-top speed because without, with you know, only providing Darius Davis, I think, with 25% of snaps and using him predominantly behind the line of scrimmage in motion plays, uh, it's... It's hard to know what we really want to do. There was a lot of chat in the offseason from offense and de- defensive players saying, you know, 
man, they're gonna they're gonna throw some big balls and there um there's gonna be some numbers put up. Well, like I mean, there were some great throws, don't get me wrong, but Herbert's average depth of target was under seven and it's just more kind of trying to just work the ball down the field rather than that explosive kind of hurry up, let's get get a score and get the ball back. The fact of the matter is the defense wasn't form- forcing any stops, so it made uh made time pretty hard. No, but uh, it is that it, it is that tension though between knowing that uh, you haven't been passing, you haven't been protecting the passer well the last few weeks, wanting to get it out of Herbert's hands in case you know Hutchinson or those types of players, Ali McNeil, get to him, uh, but also taking some shots and taking some opportunities. Yeah. You've got to you've got to find that right balance. Ultimately, the t- the offense scores thirty eight points without Josh Palmer. Or Mike yeah. Williams or Corey Lindsley, you should win games where you score 38 points 99 times out of 100. Unfortunately, this was that one time. Now, lest, lest we kind of come across as, as saying the offense was perfect, which it definitely was later in the game, scoring touchdowns on its final five drives, I think we have to call out that there was a real problem early in this game whether it is explicable by the six-day break coming across the country from New York with the Lions well-rested, maybe, but they scored three points on their first four drives. And I think one of the real candidates for why that happened was because of Kellen Moore's somewhat stubborn approach to play calling on first and 10. In the first half of six drives that the Chargers had, five of those they called a running play on first down. And those plays went for one yard, three yards, two yards, two yards, nine yards in the two-minute drill. You can't start drives second and eight, second and nine, second and eight. It just kills you, man. And unfortunately, when the defense did get a really nice stop early in that, it might have been the second quarter where they got the goal line sand. Uh, we were so excited at that. I'm sure you were too, listeners. It suddenly felt like, oh my God, the defense got to stop. Ensuing drive, the offense goes three and out and punts. Then the Lions score. And then on the next drive, Herbert throws an interception. You're putting yep. your defense in a really bad spot early in that game and time of possession killed the team in the first half. And I think we just could not kind of bridge that gap over the course of the, you know, 60 minutes. Yeah, you're right. That was that we thought, I thought my big takeaway after the game from, uh, you know, looking above was that it was the slow start on offense that uh, really hindered us. And then you go, but also 38 points and gave up 41. Uh, and the offense had just about as good a game as they could have. Uh, it was incredibly exciting to see. wasn't great that we were always chasing tail and trying to snatch back a lead that um, we sort of gave Detroit more often than not. Um, but look, as I was saying earlier about the stats, the Chargers went 7 of 14 on third downs and gave up 4 of 13 for the Lions. 4 of 13 third, uh, third down conversions. At one point, they were 0 from 8. And big balls, Dan Campbell was just going, give me fourth down. Give me fourth down. You guys ain't stopping shit. Uh, and except for that that goal line stop, I think they scored at least one touchdown on fourth downs and didn't want Riley Patterson near a field goal in the 50 range. Uh, Fox was just pinning them when he had to punt. It was just a, a real... Whatever you got, we'll smash it down in your face. We'll bite your kneecap off. 
I'll eat a raw bull nut and there's nothing you can there's nothing you can do to stop me. He just let Ben Johnson be a wizard. I saw I saw something about oh, we'll get into the defense, but just the the cerebral nature of Ben Johnson's planning and preparation and relaying that to his guys, just polar opposite for how Staley's prepared the um the defense uh, on our side. So look, massive massive plaudits for a great coaching group at, at Detroit. Um, just another shame that we can't ever seem to put complementary football together and our defense back up, um, back up the offense and get a stop and try and win the game. So, all nuts, you say? Bull, big ball balls. I think just Dan Campbell loves a multi-shot coffee and a raw bull testicle, just like an apple. He'd, right. he'd, he'd love that sort of gear. Ha, has someone dared him to, to eat that or just? I wouldn't have thought so. choice. Okay. I wouldn't have. I, yeah. I would have thought that's like in his weedy, weedy's bowl. Well, his team plays with the, the same uh, intestinal fortitude, shall we say. They they just, they reflect, they're, they're the image and likeness of their coach on the field. And I don't know if there was anywhere that this was clearer, mate, than on that 75-yard touchdown run to David Montgomery, which really was a nail in the coffin. That For was sure. that was such a momentum killer and a, like a, an energy sapper, that play. But you know what? Who was springing the block down the field on Asante Samuel? It was Jamison Williams, the first-round pick, who has not been a good draft pick so far. He's had all sorts of issues from injury to off the field. He used every bit of his 4-3 speed to get up there and seal the critical block that made that a touchdown and, in a way, kind of put at least one nail in the Chargers' coffin. They all play yeah. with that kind of dog mentality. And what about the offensive line? I ain't seen anything like it of recent times. Sure as shit, hasn't, haven't seen our team play like that. That was, from the first play, as dominant as you get. Um Montgomery Gibbs, they weren't getting touched until they were well past the line of scrimmage. It was like, do you, do you dare say Chargers defensive line of old or just at least the run defense of old? We looked like we were absolute pretenders sitting at sixth or seventh in the league in run defense, the way that we handled, yeah. the way that we aligned ourselves, you know, prepared. Guys were just getting sucked in on the play action, something crazy. Um, and, you know, all of it was before really before the play action had been generated by Goff. I think he feigned a handoff on the first play and then it was just run, 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 180-odd yards or 170-odd yards in the first half. And, uh, you know, we can go, oh, yeah, but the run defense, you know, got better in the second half. I was like, yeah, but they, the line started throwing the ball and tearing us up in the air. So it um, doesn't really matter which way you look at it. It's... Uh, a really poor performance on the defensive side of the ball. Do you believe that it is an execution thing? Do you think it is a mentality thing? Do you think like, wh why, what is it that, you know, you can't use the excuse of we, you know, we're not playing a lesser opposition, so we don't go down to their level. We crushed the bets, the, the bears and the jets. We yep. come up against a good opposition. What do you think it was? Are our guys not capable or is it something that they're missing in their preparation? I think it calls into question 
kind of a couple of things. They're causing into question the specific defensive scheme, which is the scheme that believes in light boxes and lighter personnel and flying around and stopping the pass. You come up against teams who are old school and want to run the ball and play 12 personnel like the Lions, who happen to have a top 2-0 line, and you're automatically behind that eight ball. I think... If you give Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells or one of the great defensive coordinators this exact roster, it would have looked better, but I think you're still suffering this horrible disadvantage where you can't stop those five guys up front in the running game. And if, if first contact on the running back isn't happening until three or four yards past the line of scrimmage, you're in for a long day because play action's going to work, Andy. As you said, you're not going to get Goff into third and longs. And goodness, as you mentioned before, we dominated third down on defense. Yeah. What was it in the end? Four of 13 on third down, completely yeah. incongruous with allowing 41 points. When you go four of 13 on third down, you should win the game. It just shows that the explosives killed us again and the running game killed us. So it calls into question the Fangio tree against this, these types of teams. I think it also calls into question any decision to hire defensive head coaching in the modern NFL. And you never want to make a complete blanket rule, but there there has to be something to the fact that as an offensive you know, architect, you can come up with, there's almost like an infinite number of plays and play designs, right? From We've seen from the fast jet motions to all sorts of unique trap runs. We saw wide receiver sweeps in this game with Ben Johnson using a variation of the call that the Jag Jacksonville yeah. um, Jaguars used with Travis Etienne, the, the run call on fourth and five when the defense was in dime. So they know we can actually run the ball for five yards. Defense is so reactive. What are you going to do? You're going to call cover three, cover two, cover four, cover six, you know, zone dog blitz, whatever you want. You like you're limited. I think you're just limited defensively in how you can keep up with some of these offenses, with crazy personnel, we're seeing some outstanding athletes coming out of the college game. You're adding to that quarterbacks who can run, which completely eliminates you know an extra defensive player. You now need to account for scrambling quarterbacks, and defensive coordinators are scrambling. Now, look, I know this year points, offensive points are down a little bit, and defense has kind of bridged that gap a little across the league. Well, it's not happening with Brandon Staley. I know who you play matters and the Chargers have had to come across the Chiefs, the Lions, the Dolphins. You know, it, it's easier if you're an NFC South team or an NFC North team, maybe you're not coming up against some of those offenses. But unfortunately, every time we have, we're giving up either 500 yards or 450 yards. We can't stop slot receivers for shit. Jefferson's mm. going off the leash. Amon Ra St. Brown had 156 yards in this game. So, you know, at that level, it's, you've got Ben Johnson. He's completely obliterated Staley. He had every possible cleverly concocted play ready to go, ready to use, and it worked almost 100% of the time. Mm. The, the personnel groupings I found to be one of the more startling things. Early on, you spoke about the... I think they used 13 personnel in a tight formation on that um, fourth and fifth run. And so we've got nickel defense, lighter box, and <laughs> just run it five yards. I think the play before was 12 personnel, two tight ends out wide. So Max slips into coverage, 
just a shallow out, you know, pick up, pick up another, might have been third and long, you know, make fourth down easy. It's, uh, yeah, we just got so outplanned and outmanned at the end of the day that the the line couldn't get any push on theirs, generated minimal pass rush. And it's a shame because when we did flush Goff out of the pocket, you know, he was starting to look crap. Uh, but the reality is I think he had close to 2.77 seconds to throw. Um, well, it's the time he took to throw, and at times he would have had way longer because that was the cleanest pocket I've seen Oh, since, uh, since Jack, anytime you ask him to buy a beer, um, <laughs> yeah, linebackers got linebackers got, I didn't bring my money, man. <laughs> they got no money, buddy. Uh, linebackers got torched and you see how it got to apply for a mortgage. <laughs> Kendricks and, um, Kenny Murray, their PFF grades were some howlers and, uh, it was just, any any odd receiver was just lining up and having their way. Um, Kenny Murray just got really sucked into a lot of the play action stuff, and it really just destroyed all the zones that we were we were running. I thought, and, and get- Andy, we 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 talked about this before um, the game. Why not? I mean, Kendricks and Murray were just so outclassed in pass coverage. You don't want to get Day Day on Henley in for a single snap for the entire game. Mm. Whoever's yeah. making that call, I'm just going to assume it's Staley. Let's it's it's got to be it's got to be Staley. You've got to change something up. I mean, what like the game plan? I thought should have featured Henley in pass coverage. Like, why not do that when he's shown like he's got the ability to mm. to see the field? So it's all unraveling a bit. You were going to say something about Jameer Gibbs. It seemed like you're about to talk about him. Uh... No, I thought you were going to say something else. But well, I want to talk about Jameer Gibbs then. Yeah, that guy. Because... Who cares where it was taken in the draft? Yeah, him one, two, and three. I thought Jack Campbell was even pretty good. He made some great tackles. Um, you take Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta with your first two picks, and they're studs. Jameer Gibbs was uncontrollable. I could not reach him. And a lot of it is the the poor angles and the tackling wasn't great in the secondary um, anywhere really. But man, he's fast. He's got some great, you know, you talk about Josh Kelly being a one cut runner. Hold my beer, man. You seen this Jameer guy? Just silk. Silk. I'd love for a running back like that to ever grace for the charges, you know? Oh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance were fawning, falling over themselves in their praise for him. I think at one mm. point they said he's got a chance to be in that, like the special category of running back, like that Hall of Fame category. They didn't quite go that far, but they were saying, you watch this guy, this is not normal to see someone who who moves with this kind of speed and vision. And uh, when you've got an offensive line creating separation up the front, God, he's just one cut and gone. And the Chargers, frankly, were lucky uh, that they didn't see more yardage from him because it's only because they gave a few carries to Montgomery that it wasn't Gibbs who had 180 yards. Yeah. Well, you know, 200 between pretty much two of them is enough for me anyway. Uh, that's as much as I, I didn't want to see more, that's for sure. No. Oh, dear. But look, all that being said, the game still came down to, and as it always does, it comes down to small moments. As you're saying, Andy, fourth down. They took an anomalous approach to fourth down, hyper-aggressive. 
more yeah. aggressive than the analytics bots would tell you to be. So they go for it five times. They convert four of them. If any one of those four goes a different way, right? If they don't, if if they get clever on that fourth and five run and it doesn't work, if the very last fourth and two completion to Laporta, the initial phase of the coverage, he wasn't open yet. Murray was in his zone. Pass rush didn't get home because there was no blitz. And then he got to his credit, made a really nice play, hit Laporta in between two defenders. If either of those don't go their way, Chargers probably walk out of this game with a 41-38 victory. Herbert gets the ball back, a minute 30 left. We're not having this type of conversation. We're talking about three wins in a row. Okay, the defense was bad, but look, we can still beat the Lions, even though we gave up 500 yards. So it's just funny how it's always little moments in games, and it seems to be the case that in those moments, the Chargers don't make the plays. Yeah. Uh, how are the, just going back to Dan Campbell and the, just the nurries on him. How's the call inside field goal range in the fourth quarter to go for it on fourth down and just go, <laughs> we're going to get it. And I'll just burn more clock. Unbelievable. And you Great know, call. we, we, Finish we the sit game. there watching. Neither of us were saying anything at this point. We just know that everything hangs in the balance. And all I'm thinking in my head is they're going to get it. We're going to yep. let them get it because that's just what this porous defense does. Ah, oh. damn! We talk about coaches being um, prepared. What kind of direction do you think Staley gives his players? And how focused do you think he puts his energy on the defense ahead of all three phases as a collective? Do you, do you feel like with so much inconsistency, like uh, non-complementary football, let's say, do you think that there's a bit of a divide with how the 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 three phases or units are kind of you know brought together and and coached i would guess and i can only guess because he doesn't really speak about it and they don't show it all in i would guess he spends the majority of his time in the defensive room probably a fair bit in the quarterback room too with herbert i couldn't see him spending much time with special teams or the offense that much allowing kellen to mm. do that the extraordinary part is, you know, he's 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 collected a, a group full of teachers, people who are, come from education or have teachers as parents, and you. It would appear that he would be a good teacher. He's very clear at explaining his answers to things and what he wants in some of his long press conferences. You can sometimes, see yeah. some sometimes. But like, even when you see them showing footage from all in of him talking to the group, he's not mincing words and he's showing what he wants. He's running a scheme that he, he dogmatically will not change and believes in, despite the mm. results being plainly awful across the entire yeah. duration. So that, you know, they haven't changed play callers. Daniel Popper said again this morning, you know, he asked Staley, are you going to keep calling the plays? And he said, yes, he's going to go out his way. But Has the way he made... answered that question was so antagonistic, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People can do that. No, we're not going to do it. It's my decision and I'm not going to do that. Well, like <laughs> it, at least he's going down his way. I'm not saying it's the right thing. Like he's, he's stubborn um, and he is showing traits uh, that are frankly making me look like a bit of a fool because of, you know, all the character reasons why we thought he was a, a really good leader once the team has started to lose games and he's feeling that pressure from the fan base and the journalists. 
um, you know, you're seeing some fragility and yeah. you're seeing a lot of stress and a lot of strain. And, you know, maybe the team's going to crawl out of this hole and go on a win streak. And he'll say, what were you all talking about? I went from nine wins to 10 wins to 11 wins. You fuckwits. And maybe he'll be right. Or maybe the team will come and lose the next, you know, they'll lose six of their next eight. He'll finish the season with seven wins and he'll be fired. He's going to do it his way. The topic of firing is relevant because it's been all of the talk on Twitter. You know, it's it's the talk every week with Chargers fans, mm. you know, re- almost re- irrespective of the result. But yeah, what would you, I mean, put, put this question, you know, Tao on Bolts from the Blue wrote a, a fan post. The synthesized version, although, you know, listeners, you can go and find it on Bolts from the Blue. He essentially said, you know, that we should fire Brandon Staley right now, this week. Um, in a nutshell, the reasons uh, it ha- it's not working, what is there to lose by changing things around? Maybe you see improved performance with different play callers. You get an opportunity to essentially scout Kellen Moore or Ficken or whoever you, you put in as the caretaker coach. Why not uh, do it right now? What do you say to that? Uh, me, uh, me as like a, a non, I, am I, I answering this from me or if I'm, you're the, Dean's, you're the decision Dean's maker. Spanos. You're Dean the decision Spanos. maker. Yep. Uh, look, I don't think that keeping him will fix the problem right now. I, I'm very close to saying that this season is a lost one. Yeah, uh, we're right on the cusp of that. I think if we lose this week, then you know I'll be having eight beers on the next podcast and and every podcast thereafter. So good luck with the production. <laughs> uh, but the I just don't I just don't know if firing the coach is good for the harmony of the team right at the minute. That being said, Wait for the Raiders, that's true. Yeah, but it's a completely different thing. I think. I think, I think there's, as far as we're aware on the surface, there's, okay, look, let me put it this way. There's far less obvious hatred of the head coach at the Chargers, if there is any at all from the players than there was at the Raiders. It's chalk and cheese in that regard. I agree. All we're seeing are like little comments leaked to Jeff Miller of the LA Times or Popper from defensive players saying, you know, everything we went through in the classroom during the week, the Lions did the opposite. We're so frustrated. You know, or the the Michael Davis at the Chiefs, let us play more, man. So you're getting some of that. You're not getting, but I agree, it's not to the same degree of Devontae Adams and McDaniels and, you know, rumours that the players hate him. It's not, it doesn't seem to be that level. My That that part of my answer given, I would probably get rid of him. Uh, right I now. Yep. What, what bad can it do? We might win a couple of games with a new, you know, new fire under the belly. Um, it might also give any potential suitor uh, a view at, you know, what this team could look like. Give Derek Ansley an opportunity to now run the defense and do it his way um, without Staley over there kind of being that control freak, stubborn guy who's clearly limiting this like highest paid defense in the league and we're shit. It just yeah. <laughs> so many things about this team just don't add up, and there is there's just got to be those you know consistent uh, points that affect you know the offense's struggles and um, the team as a whole just not playing consistent complementary football. We just we, 
for a broken record on that that argument but the reality is like he's either not capable of you know, you say he doesn't mince his words, that may be it, but actually getting his guys to achieve what he wants in his defensive scheme. And yep. there, there seems to be issues with how he puppeteers the three phases to work together. Um, it's offense is working, defense isn't, vice versa, and games that shouldn't be close are. It just so happens, you know, we've been feeling really, we've been feeling ourselves with a couple of wins over pretty average oppositions. So I think... It's a, look, I say that, I don't think it's ever going to happen because I can't remember when the Spanos last got rid of a coach in, in his contract. Um, no, he, he allowed McCoy and, and um, well, his father famously got rid of Marty. But, um, yeah. yeah, the other, uh, McCoy and Lynn got the full four years. My only critique, if you're going to fire him now, is uh, I hope if the Chargers got one of those stops and won the game 41-38 you'd still be coming in with the same energy saying fire the coach. And if the answer is you wouldn't have fired Staley if they won 41-38, I think you face an uphill battle trying to say you should fire him coming off, you know, two wins of their last three. I don't, I don't, maybe not an uphill battle, but I, I feel like the way you look at this is, you know, are you evaluating him as a head coach or as a defensive play caller? If it's head coach, you've got a team who's won their last two and just, just lost on the buzzer essentially to the Lions coming off a short break, maybe from that holistic vantage point, they're four and five, you know, would you fire? It's up to you, listener, to, to decide. As a defensive play caller, same kind of deal. I think you've got a better, a way stronger case to fire him. You know, they've given up 500 yards for a second time in the season. It was the worst game in Staley's career based on EPA per play. Daniel Popper reported on that. Some of the micro factors in this game that we've already touched on, you know, the lack of complementary play from the offense, the fact that they were so good on third down, the fact that the Lions were hyper-aggressive on fourth down and they had a few not go their way. Um, you'd have, to, yeah, I, I think they're relevant things to think about if you're going to fire him. I also philosophically, if I'm the leader of an organization, I... I like to honor the contract through the third year short of exceptional circumstances. I'm mindful that Brandon Staley is a 40 year old. This is maybe his only chance as a head coach. He's put in two and a half years for the team. Seems to be a good human being. He's kind of comported himself with integrity. He hasn't been perfect every press conference, but he seems like a good family man with his young family. I, I that's going to, that will haunt him for the rest of his life. He'll never know at four and five, were we going to fix this thing and get to 10 wins or, you know, I I would like to see, I'd like to see as the owner, is it six wins or eight wins or 10 wins or 12? How did this guy go? It's really hard being a coach. Let coaches work through an entirety of a season because things can change. But I'm, I'm with you. There is hypothetical upside to a firing decision. Maybe the players actually get a freshness like we've seen with Antonio Pierce. You get to, you know, scout some of the coaches. So I get it. Mine's yeah. are kind of torn. Do you think the team can make the playoffs? That's a um, that's another question. Do you Are you thinking it's off the cards or are you still clinging on to some hope? Well, I think realistically you'd need 10 wins to get through. And we spoke about this during the week. Um you probably need a tiebreaker or two to go in your favor at that as well. So it's really now in a position where it's, it's difficult. We've still got um, the bills 
the Chiefs. Uh, we've got Denver at Denver after their performance now seems like a headache and we Baltimore, traditionally don't, don't Baltimore as well. Sorry. Yes. Baltimore are a big one. Uh, Patriots look, anything can happen after what happened last time against Bill's D. Um, it's tough, man. We've really got to, we've really got to run. And I think if we lose this one, our hopes are dashed. I really do. If we lose this one, you won't hear any, um, a pushback from me. If, the Chargers fire Brandon Staley had four and six after a loss to the Packers. Um, yep. I would have been disappointed. I wouldn't have thought it was crazy or unfair if he got fired on Tuesday this week. I would have been upset about it. Yeah. Or at least disappointed. Um, mm. I won't think that if they go in and lose at Lambeau Field four and six. Yeah. I think one thing you've got to realize that it's all well and good to be like, yeah, he's a nice guy and he's young and he's got a family and this can haunt him. At the end of the day, football's a business and that's what people are hired to do there's there's minimal emotions um and you've just got to see it separate it from you know the kind of person that he is and what could be yeah yeah and his record has been nine and nine and eight ten and seven four and five lynn lynn and mccoy had two years of winning five or less games so like i think our patience as a society i'll put it down to how much time we spend looking at screens and being on twitter personally i think our our we've become more hasty in our decision-making as a species is my kind of overall sociological conclusion. But you know what? He, he didn't take over a poor team with no quarterback. He, he took over a team with Justin Herbert and they spent all this money on weaponry. So there is some, some fairness to, to the firing decision for sure. Yeah. Also, I don't know if just to counter that argument of Lynn and McCoy and their, their losing seasons, I don't know if those, Kind of, I mean, it, it does speak volumes to like the weird shit that the Spanos do and to mm. honor contracts, to not have to pay two guys to do one job, which is yep. why you'd keep Staley on for the fourth year. Um, yep. They were shocking decisions and, you know, rightfully so. We were willing to tear down the house to get both of those men out of their position. Uh, it just yep. happened years too late. All right, mate, let's Agreed. get on to the awards. Uh, you have the nah, yeah. What do you got? Shouting out someone we've not t- talked about since the preseason. It's uh, Dean Leonard, who came in for a very sick, nice poor gastro Michael Davis, had 60 snaps. PFF charted him with a 70.6 coverage grade. He's only allowed two catches of his five targets, and he had a beautiful pass breakup mm. to save a touchdown in the first quarter. You know, he missed some tackles. His, his tackling grade wasn't great, but... Um, you know, you take a cornerback in the seventh round, you think, nah, we're not going to see this guy starting. He started and he performed well. So well done. Yep. Nice. I think he had two forced incompletions as well. I was pretty impressed with old Dino there. My, yeah, nah, I think it could really be anything on the defensive side of the ball this week, but I'm cutting the snake off at the head. Brandon Staley, you've given us two good weeks of defensive football against mediocre mediocre opposition you got the group into some form and came out unprepared against a hot dick offensive coordinator and let Jared Goff and Jameer Gibbs walk all over your men you're a claimed defensive guru and you've allowed close to 600 yards and 41 points dead man walking all right let's go right on to the week 11 preview coming out of the Chargers game. It was nice last week to see a very minimal injury list. It's a little bit bigger now. Uh, obviously Michael Davis was ill 
throughout. Uh, so as you said, I'll allow Dean Leonard to play a handful of very valuable snaps uh, for his development. Chris Rum fractured his foot during warmups, which sort of speaks volumes to my impression of that guy. He's placed on IR and will likely miss the rest of the season. Um, Chargers injury report for Wednesday's practice, a site for sore eyes. Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett, Sebastian Joseph Day, Donald Parham, and Khalil Mack all did not participate, the latter on a veteran rest day. Yep. But in core news, JT Woods was limited. So maybe mm. we'll see some kind of return from him in the not-too-distant future, which is exciting. Uh, now, forgive me, you'll have to help me out a little bit here. All I do know That's is good. that the Chargers have signed Steven Anderson to the practice squad. So welcome back, big Steve-o. Uh, that's exciting. We have who else have we waved and yeah to make in? that move they waved Mark Webb the safety so he's now off the practice squad and the Chargers went ahead and signed Justin Hollins an edge rusher from the Giants practice squad who's actually played sixty four snaps this year for Green Bay so there's a bit of cheeky intel perhaps of you know signing a guy who's been with the Packers this year but he's been with Staley in the past um, with with Denver with the Rams he actually is one of Justin Herbert's old teammates at Oregon. So he slides in. Frankly, he's a better player than Chris Rumpf. So this guy should have been on the team the whole time. And Steven Anderson is a better player than Trey McKitty and, uh, you know, Stone Smart. So why was he sitting there? He, I don't, I'm pretty sure he wasn't on a roster, Steven Anderson. I know he was with the Cardinals. I'm not yeah, sure if he was year. with them <clears throat> this year. So yeah. same with Bryce Callahan instead of Essang Bassi. No idea what's going on. Anyway, that's uh, that's the weekly news. <laughs> Our press conferences were a bit interesting this week. It was like you could just see, you could feel the the pain in Brandon Staley in the post game. It was just yep. put the blame on me. Like I I can't keep doing this to these guys. That's that was the feeling. Like it starts with me. I wasn't prepared. Max come out and said we were prepared, just not for what we got. Um, it was humbling i guess to see staley in that way because then when you looked at his press conference from uh, this morning it was like back to that kind of short aggressive um or passive aggressive more so like i, I spoke about how he answered popper's question and it was just like weird attitude going back and i was like this guy's lost it he has not only does the team not have an identity staley has lost his identity as well yeah and the whole like you know, well kind of composed guy that is just positive. Like you might've shaved that beard off, man, but <laughs> he ain't fooling anyone. It's It was not a press conference that filled you with confidence that the team's going to go to Lambeau and win. It was a no. wheels of four and off press conference, unless that anger is channeled into an incredible performance. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I was concerned by it. Mm. So we've seen a real like Jekyll and Hyde from Staley this week and be really interesting to see what kind of Staley and defense we, uh, we put out against the Packers. What happened in the Packers Steelers game, mate? Run us through it. It's, it was, it was like objectively it kind of looks like it was a snooze fest cause it was 23 Steelers Packers 19 in Pittsburgh and the team like both teams combined to score only 12 total points in the second half, which is not many. But there were still some interesting aspects of this game, I thought. Um, 
the the Packers really struggled to stop the running game. The Steelers ran for 205 mm. yards. Jalen Warren had 101 yards and a rushing touchdown. On the other side of the ball, I mean, far out. Jordan Love was just kind of, he was going full gunslinger. He finishes 21 for 40, 289 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Made some crazy big time throws. Both INTs came late in the game. So the score was um, Steelers 23, Green Bay 19 with maybe five minutes left. And Jordan Love throws an in red zone interception on a really nice bit of heady veteran play by Patrick Peterson. Mm, stopping like an yeah. out and up kind of route where um, he was covering. Um, it, might, it was Christian Watson and yeah. Love slightly under throws it. Peterson taps it back in bounds to the safety. And then with maybe 50 seconds left on the game's final drive, Jordan Love finds a way to throw a 50-yard completion mm. um, and then marches the ball right up into the kind of red area. Um, final play of the game, a touchdown's going to win it. And he throws it just short of the sticks. He fires it in to like a play-action scissors concept. Picked off uh, this time. It was, I think it was. Oh, it's a yeah, it's escaped to me as well, Kizzee, but it was, yeah, it might, yeah, yeah, it was Kazee. So he's picked the ball off, and Steelers, Steelers win by four points at home. Tough contest. Yeah. Um, just two teams who weren't super efficient on offense. Pickett really struggled. Passed for barely any yards himself, maybe a hundred and twenty yeah, odd. Mm. And yeah. uh, you know, uh, Packers dropped to three and six after a yeah. loss away from home, and now come back home to face <clears> us. <throat> Yeah, uh, not a whole lot of positives for Green Bay to roll on with. Um, but I think there's always an element of strength for the Packers when you're playing them at Lambeau. Um, outdoors, it's a bit cooler up there. Thankfully, we're not playing them too late in the year. But it's different. We play a lot of games inside, and it's a different thing for Herbert in his young career. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, been a decent run so far by means of pass blocking for this unit, even especially without Bakhtiari. The starting five on the line have given up just nine sacks. And, yeah, they're allowing Jordan in the high twos, close to three seconds uh, in the pocket. Dobbs, Reed, Musgrave, all very handy. Musgrave's really come into his own the last couple of games, two consecutive games with 50 yards receiving. Reed has some awesome speed. I think he was that blowout 50-yard completion. And Dobbs, I mean, you throw the ball near Christian Watson and he'll run away from it, but that's all right. They've got they've got options. And even Dontavian Wicks as a rookie, a fifth rounder, I thought was was pretty good. He's yeah, he's, yeah, absolutely. He's fast yeah, and he, he's you. another target. They're a young um, offense, but they've they've got some good players. They've really got like a. It's just it could go either way playing against them. They've really yeah. You know, Jordan Love's got that sort of gunslinger. Um, where he can he he can make some awesome awesome throws. He throws with anticipation, but he gets a little bit pressured. He throws a deep ball, and it's it's trouble. Decent names for the Packers as well on defense. Let's not let's oh. not forget about them. Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary. They've all had five sacks each on the season. Devondre Campbell's putting up awesome numbers in every facet of defense. And Kesar Nixon. Pretty handy return, man. He's tallied over 600 yards so far. So there are plenty of uh, strengths in the Packers and things to be wary of. Definitely don't go into this one um, thinking that we're just going to steamroll them. 
what do you see their weaknesses? Where are our opportunities, mate? I think one segues from what you've mentioned that because they're an inexperienced and young offense, especially they're not quite tight. Love uh, is the least accurate quarterback in the NFL based on completion percentage. Some of these receivers, when you've got Musgrave and Tucker Craft, Wicks, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, they, they're just so young. We're talking about uh, players with a high drop rates. Um, Jordan Love doesn't quite put it on them. So, so they're not a super professional outfit. Green Bay Packers fans really have it in for the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, who has ties to Staley, runs a Fangio defense. They're really squishy against the run. They allowed 205 yards to the Steelers, so there's a potential opportunity there. Um, so I guess coaching in general is maybe a question mark. Lafleur had a fantastic start to his head coaching career while he was with Aaron Rodgers. Now he's finding out that without a franchise quarterback, it's a much different kettle of fish. He's not super aggressive on fourth down, though I thought he did scheme up a really nice game against the Steelers for Jordan Love. Um, like like the Lions, their red zone offense is an issue. They're ranked 27th in the league. Uh, so, yeah, I, th I think they've got a few weaknesses you can exploit, but the question is can we exploit them with that great O-line that you mentioned at the start, Andy? So maybe... Mm moving into a few keys to victory or game planning aspects, anything that stood out to you? Well, it's it's a big one because I feel like the the way this this uh, Packers team hasn't scored more than 21 points for seven straight weeks now, and a lot of it is due to that inconsistent, inaccurate QB play. They're running back. Their running game hasn't really fired. Aaron Jones has you know been unavailable for a third of the games, and he was pretty average. Um, but a lot of a lot of the charges and especially the defensive units' uh, hopes in this game will rely on us overcoming the strengths of their offensive line. Jordan Love's game has centered around decent completion completion percentage and efficiency in the short passing game. He averages seven nine point seven yards per attempt, and it's when the defenses force him to throw further down the field, 10 plus yards, his output deteriorates greatly. Yeah, he's registered six touchdowns, 10 interceptions on his intermediate and deep throws. Tends to panic, launch, that gunslinger stuff, kind of like what you saw late in the game against the Steelers. Uh, so I feel like offense really needs to take off from where it finished in the, the Lions game. We really need to hit the front. No more of this slow starts, Kellen. It really no. needs to be put the Packers, put Jordan Love on the back foot and yep. make them chase, make him make mistakes. That is, as far as I'm concerned, the most crucial thing to us getting the win here. Agree. The, the Packers conceded a touchdown on the first drive of the game to the Steelers with a Najee Harris run. That's the, it's got to be the same blueprint. Start 7-0. Seven and, seven and oh. On offense, Absolutely. they've got Jay Alexander. It looks like he might miss again, which is going to really mm. help. They've got two super inexperienced cornerbacks because they've also got Eric Stokes on IR. So they're running around with Carrington Valentine and Corey Ballantyne. Valentine yeah. and Ballantyne are the corners. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure their safety, Rudy Ford, might be missing too. So he their secondary, whew, it's, it's depleted. So this is a chance for the run game to get going on offense. Screens should work against these Packers linebackers for the most part. Um, but as we were saying, the de defense, it really, it's got to start up front with the running game because with with Dylan and Jones, they will try it out. But can we get to Jordan Love, man? He's the least pressured quarterback in the NFL. The least. Yeah. 
He's chucking yeah, it deep. It's... He's got the highest average depth of target, and yeah. he's the least pressured quarterback. A stat that I couldn't believe, and goodness, I hope it continues. Do you know the Packers ha- have averaged 3.22 points in the first half this year? Really? I did yep. not know that. They've scored 13 total points in the first quarter and 16 total points in the second quarter. So their average at halftime is to have 3.22 on the scoreboard. Wow. Need to come out, establish the lead. It should happen. You're away from home, but balls are on the line this week. Staley's job is on the line. I really don't know what to do with this result prediction, Andy, because I don't know how I feel about the team. I don't know how I feel about the press conference I heard Staley give today. It did not make me feel confident. You're away from home. It's not an easy place to play, Lambeau Field, Mm. steeped in its tradition. But you know what? Ultimately, because of the way Justin Herbert played against the Lions and because I think Joe Barry is not a very good defensive coordinator, I'm actually going to say the offense scores 31 points and that the defense doesn't fix much. And we're feeling the same way about the defense, but we win 31 to 27. And Love is going to have a chance to score a touchdown to win the game. We're just going to scrape out of there, five and five, but everyone's still going to be saying fight Staley. The defense gave up 27 points to the Packers. All right, all right, all right. I have... Yeah, it's a bit call me crazy. I say a bunch of negative things and then I go, but I think we'll come out and win. Who are you filling uh, in so, for though? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a close one, but the Chargers will win by 25. Now, yeah. I have the Chargers winning 27 to 21. Um, yeah. I'm feeling safe about that, but fuck, anything could happen, hey. Anyway, it's been a pleasure doing this with you, my fellow favorite best friend podcaster. <laughs> Guys, thanks for tuning in tonight. We will hope as best we can for the victory pod next week. More beers, more laughter and revelry. We'll see you next time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, 6 and 10, 5, high step, touchdown!